the NBA season is now about a quarter of the way finished. So now I think it's a good time to start discussing some of the rookie awards. Stay tuned while me and my guy Sam Ferris break down Sam's thoughts over who are the best rookies in this class. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out and big thank you to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Sam Ferris, Mr. Draft Dummies, but he is no dummy. Sam, it's December 1st. What is going on in your, in your, in your world? Are you consumed with college basketball and NBA? Like, How are you managing it all? Yeah, I'm, I'm consumed with it both, but uh, it's not a burden. It's a lot of fun to watch. I try to split it up. Um, if there's specific NBA games that I want to watch, I kind of watch that more for enjoyment, whereas for college, it's more the scouting, the film breakdown, watching it on Synergy, actually watching specific prospects, whereas NBA is kind of more enjoyment, but I do check in pretty often on the rookies. It's kind of one of my more you know, fun favorite things to do. And I think that's what we want to hit on today as we're kind of about a quarter of the way now. We now have a pretty good sample to judge some of these guys by. So it's kind of fun to revisit where we were a few weeks ago when we talked. So what's a typical night like for you after you get off work? How do you juggle it? Yeah, luckily I usually work from home, so that makes things easier, but I do have synergy, so I'm able to watch games like that. But there's usually one game that I, at least one college game that I want to watch live, prospects that I'm excited to watch. Duke, Ohio State was that today uh, when we're recording. But then um, I'll either watch clips of prospects the next day that I want to catch up on or download games on synergy. Um, I'm also a Warriors fan, so I watch most of their games as well. But yeah, it kind of depends which game I want to key in on. And then I focus on the prospects specifically looking at their clips and highlights. So that's kind of how I break it down. Yeah, I was at the Warriors-Mavs game a couple nights ago. I actually have on a Mavs sweatshirt because I just did a a, a live stream with the Texas Legends. So I had to kind of represent the, the, the parent club there. Yep. All right. Unfortunately, your Warriors don't have anybody in the rookie of the year race or, or any any of that. But let's let's go with first team all rookie. Mm-hmm. So based off of today, who is on Sam's first team all rookie squad? So this has changed since the last time we talked. It'll probably change again. I'm I'm mostly basing it off of what's happened so far, but also I am including a little bit of projection because there are guys that have started to heat up, play better, get more minutes that I think that's going to continue for them. There's kind of probably two specific guys I'm hinting at there. One of them made my first team, the other the second team. But without further ado, even though he's missed time from injury, Paolo, to me, it's still not close. He's been, when he's played, he's been the best rookie and no one else has played just uh, the way I'd say it is nobody else because of the games they've played more than him 
has made up for the value that he's provided when he plays. He's just been that good uh, scoring. It's just a usage thing for him where almost 30% usage, just pretty easily the best when he's played. So my mind hasn't changed there. I've seen other lists that have dropped him down a few spots because he's missed games. But uh, for me, I, I still leave him pretty easily in the number one spot. Yeah, he's averaging before tonight, and this may be tonight's numbers, but 22.7 points, 6.8 rebounds, 3.6 assists per game. Is there anything that he's shown so far this season that has caught your attention that maybe you did not see out of him at, at Duke? Or is there something that he's been able to showcase that has caught you by surprise? I wouldn't say anything's been too surprising. I would just say that he's been a little bit more effective at most any everything offensively than I expected from day one. Because I, I knew he was a really good all-around player. I just worried a little bit about the efficiency, especially early on. But even throughout his career, I didn't know if he could be your number one option due to the efficiency concerns. And that's why I personally preferred Chet in the draft because I, I liked him more as a Swiss Army Knife number two guy. But Paolo's eased those concerns for me a little bit, even though he hasn't been perfectly efficient. We don't expect that from a rookie, but still... To do that on 30% usage and carry a team that doesn't have a ton outside of Franz and, I mean, other guys like Bull Bull and Suggs have played better, but still below average talent offensively. He's carried them when he's played. Uh, I think he's scored like over 15 points in every game. So on top of just the solid around numbers, the consistency from game to game has really stood out for me for Paolo. Yeah, he's at about 46% from the floor, which is not bad. The the three point percentage is kind of weighing it down. Some's only shooting twenty seven percent from three. The biggest thing that has stood out to me is that he's averaging eight free throw attempts per game. He's already getting a, a, a generous whistle. So I think that we are very close to seeing him being a 25, 26 point per game score. Even if he just gets a three point percentage up to league average, that's going to increase his numbers and with his aggression, could we see him average 10 free throw attempts per game by year two? I don't think that's too far out of the question. No, no, it, it seems like it. He's certainly big and he's certainly physical going to the rim. That's been part of his game and he's getting that whistle early on. He has the freedom to play and a lot of leeway within their offense. So I don't think that's out of the picture. I think he could be a guy that gets to the line early and often and could average mid-20s potentially next year, especially just with the scoring surge. Nowadays, there's so many guys averaging, you know, 23-plus points in the NBA. He's shown that he's certainly talented enough to do that as soon as maybe later on this year or next year. All right. Who is your... your... I guess we're not really doing it in order, but who was another member of your all-rookie team? Yeah, I kind of listed it more or less in order. Number okay. two is Benedict Matherin, who the efficiency has started to drop off for him, which we could have guessed. And actually, when I dig into the numbers, last time we talked about him, which was maybe three, four weeks ago now, I talked about how his rim finishing was like way better than I expected. That's come down, actually. He's now at 59% at the rim, which is kind of below average. 
but the threes are still going in. He's still making a ton of threes from the corner, shoots it at 48% per cleaning the glass. And so not only is he a rookie of the year contender, but he's also a sixth man of the year contender still coming off the bench. And again, there, there just isn't a ton of competition among rookies. For me, he was kind of the clear number two because Keegan Murray has also dropped off even in a more extreme fashion than Matherin has. And so it's kind of a battle of attrition here where a lot of guys have started to drop off that started well. And there's been a few rookies that have also started to play well, but haven't shown enough yet. And so for me, he retains that number two spot, easy inclusion on the first team. Yeah, I figured those two were, were a definite lock. All right, who is another member of your all-rookie team? So I'll go, I'll say Jaden Ivey was my number three here. But while I'm on this, let me give you the surprise here where I'm doing a little projection here forward, but AJ Griffin has started to play really, really well. Yep. And he didn't get a ton of minutes to start the year. We talked about him a few weeks ago. I wasn't sure how many minutes he'd even get this year, but he's doing so well that they're, he's forcing the coaching staff's hand. They have to play him. He provides just a shooting punch from the perimeter, but he definitely looks fully healed from his injuries. He's moving well. Uh, he's attacking closeouts well. He's getting steals and being active defensively. And so he's looking, I said he was a steal where he was drafted and it's looking like that could potentially be the case. Still very young. His improvement in his trajectory was kind of prohibited by those injuries the last few years, but even still, he's looking really good right now. Yeah, I saw the game against his dad's team, the Raptors, where he just made mm -hmm. big play after big play. And Atlanta has to be, I mean, they have to be excited with what they've been able to get from him so far. It was a steal. You got a guy that, you know, some people thought was a top five to seven pick coming into last year around this time. And then even after like shooting lights out during the season in a role that didn't really showcase his full talent, he, he still was a guy that I thought was going to be a top 10 pick. And I, I can only assume that his injury history is why he fell to, to where he fell to, which if you're, you're, you're a Hawks fan, you have to be glad about that. All right, we've had Ben Carroll, we've had Matherin, and we've had A.J. Griffin. Who's next? So I'll get back to Jaden Ivey. Another guy that's more um, just the raw minutes, the raw points and rebounds and assists. The efficiency hasn't been great either, but – there have still been the flashes of that star potential, the athleticism for him. He's had to take on a little bit more with Cade going out. And let's hope Cade doesn't, doesn't miss a lot of time because it sounds like that could be the case. Um, I think he's done. I think, <laughs> I think he's done I think, for the year. I think he might be on ice, which, yeah, that, that sucks to hear. But And Ivy's missed some time recently as well. But again, it's just the raw numbers he's put up. He's getting minutes. Um yeah, the shooting numbers have not been great, but still the flashes have been there. And for a team that needs him, I think he's going to continue to put up raw numbers. I guess the statistical thing I look at with him is he's also getting fouled a ton, which is good. He's getting to the rim a ton. So that has held up. I, I just hope the shot starts to fall a little bit more for him. Was that one of your biggest concerns coming into the season? His outside shooting? Yeah, it, it was because... I just wasn't sure 
he needed to hit on either the three-point shot or the in-between game. And the in-between game was a little bit of my concern uh, as well, where he didn't really have much of a floater. He does not or did not, at least coming <laughs> into the NBA, have like a pull-up game that he could get to. And so I think he either needed to hit on the three kind of above what I expected or develop that pull-up game. He's done a little of both, but neither has really hit much so far. The shot just hasn't really gone in. Again, he's getting to the rim. He's getting fouled. He's shooting 61% at the rim, but mid-range 30%, 33% from three. So the efficiency is going to have to go up, but this is a little bit what we expected. I'd say he's right generally in line with where I expected he'd be at right now. All right. And who's the last member of your first team all rookie? So I had a three-way tie here between... Tari Eason, Keegan Murray, and Jalen Williams. Not necessarily the most exciting or like amazing uh, options here. I like all these players. Uh, I ended up going with Tari Eason, even though he only plays like 18 minutes per game. And the reason why I used as just a tiebreaker here, the on-off numbers where I love Jalen Williams. I like him long-term. He just had a breakout game tonight, scoring 25 points, but... His on-off numbers are horrifically bad. Uh, Keegan Murray's are bad, and he has really dropped off over the last 10 games or so. Uh, but Tari Eason, when he plays, he brings that energy. He brings the defense, the rebounding, and he should be playing more. But the Rockets, no surprise, they're way better when he's on the floor. And that makes sense because the Rocket starters kind of get killed by other starters around the NBA. So I just use that as a tie break. You could convince me any way, but I love the way that he changes the game when he comes on the floor. Yeah, I've been saying really since Summer League that in a fair, totally fair, open tryout or fight for rotation minutes, I think Tari would be the starter. If you if you were in Europe and you were going to get demoted, if you didn't, if you finished with the worst record in the league, I think his his minute situation would be a, a whole lot different. All right, when we return, we'll get Sam's second team all rookie. But let's talk about Bet Online because Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They have it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts. You can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use the mobile device or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Once again, thank you so much for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today it is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Sam Ferris, and we just covered Sam's first team all-rookie. All right, second team all-rookie. So I think a couple of the names you mentioned at the, at the end of the last segment. Who leads off your second team all-rookie? So I've got Keegan Murray there, though the trajectory for him has been downward. He started the season off really well, but 
stat here for you. So first four games looked awesome. He was averaging like 18 points per game. But since then, again, after the first four games, over his last 13 games, he's averaging under eight points, shooting 34% from the field and 28% from three. He really has not played well, except for the first four games. And he was awesome in summer league, looked good in the preseason first four games. But uh, since then, it's been a real drop off. I expect him to settle in somewhere between where he was in preseason and summer league and where he is now. I don't expect him to shoot this poorly, but if it does continue, he's going to drop further because he doesn't offer a ton else, uh, not a ton of passing. The defense is just kind of below average in my opinion. And, and it's funny because a lot of people were coming at me saying that I was wrong for having him 10th or whatever it was on my board. And I stuck to that. And we got a long way to go, but that's my point. Let's not judge these guys after four games. I'm also not completely judging him after 20 games either. Let's just give it some time. He's not a future superstar. He's going to settle in somewhere as a solid role player, I think. And that's kind of why I expected. And I think we're going to see him kind of balance out and end up somewhere in between the really hot start and the really poor play as of late. I couldn't wait to get your Keegan Murray take. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm viewed as a Keegan Murray hater, which I, I don't love, but it's just kind of, I have to explain why I'm lower. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, that's that's just it's social media now. If, if yeah. you are not as high on a guy as the consensus, you're automatically thrown into this box as yeah. a hater. Like there's no in between. Like, you know, I'm sure people want us to have different opinions they don't want us to follow the consensus but if you do go against the consensus you, you are a, a hater it's so yeah. um but props to you for just not allowing you know people to to sway you and i mean you're strong with your opinions on on keegan murray and i mean right now i guess you can say like everyone has to look at your opinions and everything that you said about him and over the last year or so and they have to take it and say, all right, you know, there's some things that Sam was totally right about. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. all right. So let me, let me, let's talk about Jalen Williams. Yep. A 25 point breakout game tonight. What I like about him is he can just fit into any player. If you want him to run pick and roll, like with your second unit, he can do that well, or at least I think he'll develop into that, but he can play off guys as a cutter. He hasn't shot the three well, but I do believe in that. And then defensively, he struggled a little bit early, but I believe also in that too long term. Look, I, that's why I have him seventh. He hasn't been completely outstanding, but he's starting to break out. He did have that eye injury earlier. And I, I had a hot take on him on Twitter in the last week where I said, if I were the Thunder, I'm not saying they're going to have to decide between these two guys, but me personally, I would value Jalen Williams over Josh Giddy because Jalen Williams is more moldable. He's more scalable, whereas Giddy needs the ball. He's not as good playing off the ball because of the lack of shooting and athleticism. And he's a liability on defense. And I just think the Thunder are going to have another chance to select potentially another franchise cornerstone. And I think whoever that is, Chet, and Jalen Williams are the guys that are for sure going to fit around their future. 
And I just don't know if Giddy is going to be good enough that I really want to build my entire franchise around him. And so that's why I make the argument that I love Jalen Williams moldability. And that's why I really like him as a prospect, even more than Josh Giddy, if we're making that comp. That is a hot take. I should probably have some like flame sounds <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing in the background. All right. So yep. we have Keegan Murray. We have Jalen Williams. Who's next? So Jabari Smith here. I mean, we can debate the the efficiency. Well, there's no debating it. it hasn't been very good. He he has started to play a little bit better. It's only been a four-game sample, but over the last four games, 17 points per game on 48, 44, 90 splits. I just don't think he's going to be as bad as he started, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I couldn't really boost him any higher than eighth because of the efficiency concerns. Defensively, he's been a little bit um, under what I expected, a little bit disappointing as well, but the arrow's up for him, and so this is kind of where I landed. Uh, He's getting a ton of minutes. He's still scoring a decent number of points, and we know that when you're voting on rookie of the year or all rookie, they look at the raw numbers a lot. So I factor that in here, having him there. And I think he's just going to continue. He's not going to shoot 44% from three for the rest of the year, but I do think he'll be at least better than he was certainly to start the year. So this is comfortably where I had him. I could have him six, seventh, eighth, kind of anywhere in that range would work for me. Yeah. He's playing 30 minutes per game. The raw numbers are 11 points. Seven rebounds per game. The shooting splits, even though they're coming up, they're still 35, 33, and 85%. But, I mean, you, you'd be crazy to think that the the, the, the numbers are going to stay low. I mean, he's such a good shooter. I mean, the free throw, if you're a guy that believes the free throw percentage is a good indicator of shooting touch, then you're, you're totally confident that he's going to be able to turn this around. All right, who's next? So I've got a group of four here, and obviously there aren't four spots, so you could debate who you'd have there. The way I ended up ranking these four guys, I had Walker Kessler actually at the top of the group. He doesn't put up the raw numbers some of these other guys do, but his impact is felt um, that the Utah defense is eight points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor, which is very rare to see from a rookie, but we know he is an elite shot blocker. I think last year in college posted like the highest block rate ever in college or at least in yeah, recent it was history. Like, I think it was either first or it was right behind Hassan Whiteside. Yep, right up there. And so that's what he does defensively. He's impressed me a little bit with his mobility and just his ability to finish around the rim. Like he looks like a guy that's going to be a solid starting center in the NBA. Not a guy maybe that you close with every night, more of like in the Ivica Zubac role where... That's crazy. You know, I was just, just thinking that. That yeah, was my just, comparison. Yeah, 20 minutes of solid center play can play 25 or 30 if you need. I mean, Zubac just put up 30 and 29 the other night. So, uh, But I really like him. I think I wouldn't say he was a massive steal where he was picked, but I think he's certainly going to be a really good value where he was selected and could have gone, you know... Uh, five to seven spots higher and that's why I've got him on my first team I like the impact that he brings did the Lakers regret trading Zubats from Mike Muscala oh yeah that was that was the 
most short sighted. It wasn't even short sighted. It was just dumb. I don't know why. why <laughs> and they, they threw that. in Michael Beasley. <laughs> they <laughs> threw in Michael Beasley in, in that particular trade. All right. When we return, we'll talk to Sam about a few of his honorable mention guys, and then we will get his vote for rookie of the year. Stay tuned. All right. Last segment. And in the right before we went to, to break, Sam had mentioned there were four guys that he kind of had lumped in for the last spot on second team all rookie. All right. Who are three of the guys that, that you feel are kind of like an honorable mention or could eventually slide into the, the second team all rookie slot? Yeah. So I had a group of four. And then after that, I have like another group of three honorable mention, but my group of four was Kessler. And then it was Jalen Duran, Shaden Sharp and Jeremy Sohan. So those are three guys that are younger that we didn't really expect quite as much from early on. And and they've been up and down, but I, there's guys that I really do believe in, especially Dern and Sharp long-term. And Sharp, the shooting has started to kind of regress from him back to the mean, but I don't really care. Frankly, he's shown the superstar flashes. He's shown the shooting. I'm even impressed both with his defense and off-the-ball movement offensively which have been pleasant surprises. I, one thing I'm really excited about uh, with the NBA is there's a lot of young shooting guards that are really exciting, uh, whether it's Sharp, whether it's Ivy, whether it's Jalen Green, Anthony Edwards, like this crop of young shooting guards, oh, and Benedict Matherin, of course, as well. There's like four or five guys that could be future all-stars, and they're all really exciting and unique. And Sharp right there, he, he's a part of that group for me. He didn't even play last year and, and he's looked better than I expected and actually been a positive contributor for a team that looks like they might surprise and make the playoffs in the Blazers. Jalen Duran is, uh, he, he started to play a little bit more and better. I, I just think he's like pretty good. I think he should play more for the Pistons. And I think he'll earn those minutes. He's a guy I believe in as a borderline all-star moving forward. I had him top six on my board. Look, he's super young. Like, he, he should be a freshman in college right now. So you have to look at his season through that lens. Yeah, there's some kid in high school, I guarantee you. There's some kid in high school that's highly rated that is the same age as Jalen Duran. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. And, and so you have to look at his season through that lens. Like, he's been what I expected, which is solid, but really young and showing some really, you know, star flashes for a big, we haven't seen really many of the passing flashes that I kind of liked from him, but just the athleticism, the shot blocking, the rebounding has looked really good. And, and I expect that to continue. Jeremy Sohan is starting for the Spurs. And I think he's looked good defensively. He's just not a guy that you really have to guard. He's not going to hit perimeter shots. And, not, and and so I'm not sure where he's going to make his big impact offensively. Um, if you give him the ball, he can pass it a little, but I do think the shot's going to have to get where it's good enough that the defense has to at least respect it and close out to him, and he's not there yet. So he hasn't been that effective offensively, defensively. I think he's been good like, like I expected. I'd be interested to know how many guys have started like the majority of the year but not made an all-rookie team. I feel like that can't have happened all that often. Um, and so like he is kind of one of the first 
terrible mentions for me. You could include him on the end of the second team if you want. It was really close again between Kessler, Duran Sharp, and Sohan. And so I leaned Kessler because of his impact. He is older, and so it makes more sense that he would be more NBA ready. And then, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up from there after that. All right, is there a rookie that did not make your list that you're surprised that did not make your, your list? Um, Like, at this point, I thought they would have been on the list, yep. is what you're saying. Um, Well... The easy one is I thought Jabari Smith would have been higher up for mm -hmm. sure would be the first one. Well, a couple months ago, Johnny Davis, but after summer league, no. <laughs> <laughs> what have your thoughts been on Usman Jang or have you just not seen enough of him? I haven't seen enough, but I was lower on him than consensus because I, especially just, to be NBA ready from year one. I, I had this debate with a couple people. I just didn't know what his NBA skill was from day one. Now he has good size and he can move his feet. So I think he can hang defensively, but offensively, I just don't know what he does from day one. And the shooting has not been good. Kind of like I, I predicted. I think he's a guy that should get more G league reps to kind of see what he can do. And so that, that's what I expect from him. The other guy though, to answer your question, I was lower on him, and that's Ochai Akbaji. But we expected him to play a lot more when he got <laughs> traded to Utah, who we thought would be tanking. And now he's he hasn't really been in the rotation, which it, it makes sense because Utah just has – they don't have stars, but they have a ton of just like decent NBA depth on their team. But – when that trade happened, I think we all would have been surprised to know that he hasn't really played much at all this year. Yeah, man, that's one of the weirdest situations for me because he's a guy that I thought was going to play at Cleveland, in Cleveland. Yeah. I thought he was one of the safer plug-and-play guys because he's, he's, you know, he's a little older than the rest of his, his guys. He has a defined role as a shooter and transition finisher. So I just thought, like, okay, this is one of the safest picks. I really thought he's going to be in Cleveland's rotation. Gets traded to Utah, and then you start to look at the roster. Like, okay, they just paid Sexton, <laughs> who came in the deal with him. You know, Clarkson's going to play. Beasley was part of the 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 Gobert deal. So you're like, okay, they're eventually going to move two of those guys, and then it's going to create a path for him to play. Well, Utah's winning. I mean, they're, they're not what they were like a week ago. They were like 12 and six. And yeah. so um, now, even though they just won against the Clippers, they are probably like 13 and 11 or something like that. But unless they make a move, it's not a clear path to playing time for, for him this year, even with Conley being out. I mean, it opened up another spot in the, in the, you know, the backcourt rotation. He's still not getting a lot of minutes. So very disappointing uh, for him. And then Mark Williams is a guy that I thought was going to be a lot to start at center for the, for the Hornets. You know, it's a team that, you know, their biggest weakness is at the center spot and then they draft a guy high and then he's playing for Greensboro. So that that's yeah. been kind of shocking to me. All right. The big question that people have been wanting to hear, and I guess it's really shouldn't come too much of a surprise but who is your choice for rookie of the year 
It's got to be Paolo, and it's hard for me if he stays healthy to envision anybody passing him. Um, my pitch for him coming into the year was he leads rookies in scoring, averages over 20 points per game, and he's even surpassed that expectation. He's up to like 23 points per game right now. So he's the clear number one. And then my preseason prediction was either Matherin or Murray second and third and my pitch for Matherin was that he if he were to make a run for number one for rookie of the year which I thought was possible is that he would surprise people by leading the Pacers in scoring and that prediction was a little bit of a hot take but it hasn't been that far off base he's averaging over 19 points per game and so right now in line with my expectations there's been a lot that I uh, would not have guessed in terms of some of the rookies lower on, but the top two guys in Paolo in Matherin would have to be my one, two right now. And it's a pl pretty clear one, two, but I think Paolo has to be the choice at number one. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Ben Carroll guy. Everybody, everybody that has followed me in the last year knows that, but I think if Buddy Hill is traded, and Matherin plays more minutes, even though he's playing 28 minutes a game now, which is, you know, I mean, that that's good. But if he gets that number up to 32, 33 minutes per game, yeah, he may be able to pass Van Carroll because I think his shooting numbers will be, will be better. He's already shooting like 40% from three. I think he can maintain it. I mean, maybe not 41, but I think he can stay within 38 to 40, even if he falls down to like, 36 that's still going to be good i think there is a chance right now because he still has he still has a a another level that he can get to with more minutes i mean ben carroll's averaging about 35 minutes a game and it's really only like a three-point difference between scoring and there is a what seven minute difference so i i think as the season goes on, especially if they move Buddy Hill, then I, I definitely think the race is a little bit closer than it is now. But man, thanks again. I definitely appreciate you coming on, sharing your your insight. And thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your next listen, you have to check out Locked On Sports today. It is the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Rafael Barlow. He is Sam Ferris, Mr. Draft Dummies. And until next time, we are out.